Hello everyone and welcome to episode 155 of Career Podcast. Our today's guest is Miss Emilia Rina. She's a concept artist and concept designer from Toulouse, France. And of course, before we get into the podcast and like, you know, with the questions and the conversation, I just need to mention something quickly in the beginning of the episode. In the contact section and the caption, you can check out her Instagram, her art station and Twitter and website, you know, in case you wanted to, you know, see more of her work and, you know, maybe follow her on Twitter or stuff like that, you can go and check it, check it out. And with that being said, how are we doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And um, I actually saw something like a, on your Twitter that you're going to be on GFD North UK. It's a seminar that's going to, like, I think, go on in summer this year, right? Could you talk yes, about exactly. that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's an event organized by um, uh, Ryan. Uh, I don't remember his name, but um, it's um, it's an event happening in Manchester in early August. I think it's sixth and seventh uh, during the weekend, and uh, there will be an awesome lineup of artists um, giving conferences. Uh, so grab your tickets because I mean. I'm excited to see actually the guys who are going to give a talk, guys and girls actually who are giving talks there because I mean, they're, they are really amazing, high, high talented persons. So yeah, it's going to be fun. And uh, that's quite cool because, because of COVID there, um, it's been a long time since those kind of ev- events didn't happen. Um, so I'm happy this is coming back now because uh, I love those kind of yeah, events gathering uh, students and professionals all around the world. All right, interesting. Now, um, even for anyone who's going to check out your art session or just your Instagram, your works, we kind of could see a glimpse of like, you know, what the niche you're really interested or in usually is. Like, how did that like kind of interest, like, you know, start from like and just not just that tell us how you got into the world of art and visual design like you know what was the moment that you're like ah i want to become an artist you know wow so i was definitely not on the path <laughs> to become an artist at all because uh, originally i wanted to be um, a french teacher abroad very different um i've always been creative though but not not drawing. I don't draw since I'm a kid. I start. I started to learn quite late, actually, around my twenties, uh, mid twenties, and um, that's a super long story. So I'm gonna try to sum that up. But um, at some point, I had a turn in my vision of what I wanted to be um, professionally speaking and but I uh, it was not precise I was still wondering and I did a prep school to prepare the 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 art school exams um, I, I had to pass because in in France with uh, a lot of uh, art schools are free but you've got to pass an exam um, to to get there um, so it's quite competitive so I did prep that and I got it uh, and ended up in uh, art school in Poitiers. But it was, I mean, it was um, contemporary art, modern art. So very different from what I do now. But uh, that allowed me to touch and to discover tons of different practice and 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 see where I um, where I would go. 
and um, I did like abstract <laughs> abstraction. That's so weird because right now I definitely don't do anything abstract. Um, and I, I I like to build things uh, since I'm a kid actually. So I was creating maquettes and uh, miniatures of worlds um, to be explored. And that's how I passed my exam. But during these three years uh, uh, before my degree, one of my teacher, who uh, Hervé Jolie, who is um, who loves video games, and I love video games since I'm a kid, and he he organized a workshop uh, with a school next to mine, which is called Engine. It's a video game school a French video game school, and he organized a workshop uh, to crossover art and video games. It was at this time where people were wondering if video games were an art or not, you know, and um, so he wanted to explore this, and that was great because I got to meet those students who were studying video games, and I didn't even know this kind of schools existed. I was like, wow, uh, that's so cool. I, I mean... You can study that and then it becomes your job. Uh, I mean, that's so weird because, I mean, just like someone told me recently, obviously game exists, like movies exist and stuff like this. And uh, and people have to create them somehow. So obviously that should, that's a job. But, well, I didn't know at the time. Um uh, yeah, I, didn't, um, I, I thought that would be something that would happen somehow, uh, and well, basically that's how that's how that's that's how it happened. Uh, it, that's how it happened to me, at least. So I met those guys and I familiar, familiarized uh, with them, and um, and I decided to because I was already in art, I loved video games. I was like, well, maybe I can learn on my own and build a portfolio. Uh, that's what I did then in my last year before my degree after school and applied for an internship. And luckily I got it. And wow, first step in the video game industry. All right. Awesome. And speaking of like, you know, video games, you know, what are some of your favorite video games growing up? Mm, the very first one that did um, mark me was uh, Secret of Evermore. On I don't remember if it was on Nintendo or Super Nintendo, but that was the Nintendo was the first console I ever had, and um, so th this game was my first RPG. A very beautiful game, even until now, in pixel art, uh, beautiful OST. Really hard, way too complicated for me uh, at the time. I was way too young. Um, and after that, I would say uh, my favorite video games. I'm a bit biased here, but it's, it's not my favorite, but I do have a lot of affection for this game. It's called Remember Me. I know it did get sacked. Yes, <laughs> I know the game. Yeah, from uh, Don't Know, the French studio. Actually, I loved it. Honestly. Yeah, well, I, I did like it as well. And I thought that the art was amazing in this game. Uh, the Thank you, exactly. That's just crazy. And even till now, I mean, it's one of my favorite artbooks. And uh, gameplay-wise, uh, it was very interesting and refreshing. They, they couldn't go to the maximum of what they wanted to do with this game. 
uh, and that's a bit sad, but uh, um, I still love um, still love this game. Yeah, but my favorite favorite uh, is probably Dark Souls, one the first one. Wow! <laughs> so have you played Elden Ring? Are you playing it? Not yet, no. I mean, I need to buy it, but I'll buy it when I have time to play it because I don't want just to play one hour every week, you know. I want to just focus. <laughs> yeah, I get it, I get it. And but yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. And how about Fallout, Fallout games? That's not my thing, actually. Oh, no, that's... Um, I've, yeah... Now, Not about there. movies and franchises that really inspired you. I, I assume that, of course, you like sci- science fiction, right? I do, of course. All right, so he, so tell us, tell tell the audience and anyone who's listening some, give us some you know, good suggestions that we should watch, the things that inspired you and you just really like. Movies? Yes, movies, franchises, movies, series, books, comics, doesn't matter. Um... I do like this old movie now that is called Contact uh, by Robert Zemeckis um, with Jodie Foster. I, I, think, I think it's a great movie even till now. There's not a lot of VFX, so it still stands up to uh, to today. Um, and, and the story is beautiful. The characters are really well played and it's it, it's quite close to I mean, I mean it's science fiction but it's quite close to what we we feel and think uh, until uh, even uh, nowadays so that, that, that's a beautiful beautiful piece obviously I do like the I mean I'm not sure I can advise any movie that some science fiction fan never watched but I mean all the uh, not all the aliens some aliens movies <laughs> are great um, and they're still even really good today um, I'd say Interstellar as well I know a lot of people disliked it but I do love it um, uh, well, it's hard because I, I think There's I'm only so many, gonna. Right? I, yeah, and I, I feel like I'm only gonna give the the obvious one, like, you know, Blade Runner and uh, stuff like this. So it's um, it's a tough uh, <laughs> Did you watch question Firefly? right now. Firefly. Um, I, th- I think I did, but uh, but uh, oh, it, it's an old movie, right? It's from two thousands. Firefly and Serenity. There's like a yeah, one yeah. season series, then there's like two years later at the end of the season of the series, like a movie came out. Firefly. I what, think. What's what, what's the pitch? Because I mean, it's kind the, of the like name a, uh, reminds me something, but I right. picture uh, it. Basically, the theme is kind of like you know a space cowboy kind of stuff. There's of course without giving too much spoilers for anyone who might want to watch it. Basically, um. Uh, all right, how should I say it? Uh, <laughs> because I'm not Trust. just giving a, spo- a spoiler, like, you know, free stuff. Um, right. You know Summer Glau, the actress? She's in it. Um, it. Basically, it's a crew of, like, random people banded together from different backstories in a ship called Firefly because it's it does look like a Firefly and they encounter a lot of challenges. Wow, Ramtin, go ahead with giving that explanation. Like, wow, it's obvious they go through challenges. I mean, which protagonist doesn't like um 
Yeah, but the setting, like, here's the thing. I'm just going to say this. I highly recommend everyone to watch it if you're a fan of, like, you know, genuine good writing and, like, you know, good good visual development. Because uh, if you like Space Cowboy, if you like, uh, like, any sort of post-apocalyptic type of, like, settings in general, I highly recommend, like, watching... The, that once is enough, like you know, serenity. I think I think the series is called Serenity, but the movie is okay. called Firefly or Reverse. I don't know. Uh, but I okay. genuinely, the characters, the writing are really good, honestly. All right, Fireflies. So yeah, when you say Space Cowboy, no, no, then uh, I never watched it. I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> All right. But that, that's an interesting topic. Then nice mix of universe. Yeah, and the well. We talk about, you know, some stuff that inspired you and all, and all that, but I was wondering, like, you know, in the introduction, I mentioned that, of course, you're a concept artist and a concept designer, but now I want to ask you this. Um, what is the main subject, uh, main branch of design you're focusing on now? And tell us about your experience from the start of it until now. Like, what I mean by that is, are you right now working as a concept artist, as I mentioned? And if so, what? What niche are you focusing on, basically? Like, what job or role do you want, do you wish to fulfill in the future in the game industry, basically? What do you want to become a specialist at? Sure. So, yeah, I'm working as a concept artist. I'd rather, I prefer the concept designer uh, title somehow, mostly because I feel like I'm not an artist. And, um, um, so, so, yeah, a bit cheating to say that I'm a concept artist. But, but I mean... Um, it's under the same umbrella anyway and uh, I used to work in studios now I'm a freelancer for um, about a year now and um, I mostly get contacted for science fiction things uh, either um, mostly environments and props and spaceships luckily (laughs) because I I love uh, spaceships Um, a lot of spaceships actually but I, uh, I sometimes do characters as well. It depends. But um, so far, I mean, why science fiction? It's mostly because I've, I mean, that that was the theme of my first job. The first game I worked on was a science fiction game. And that somehow shaped uh, my portfolio and the kind of studios I would apply to because it's so specific that uh, I only had that in my portfolio. So I couldn't really apply to other studios doing other genre like fantasy or horror um but uh i do i do love it i do like science fiction science fiction so that that's great that's a good match i would say um the because i also love uh fantasy and all the, the genre um right now it's not that i feel like i'm turning in running in circle but i would like to explore uh more of my capacities of of doing something else so i'm working on building and creating new pieces around other genre so i can expand my universe and something i'm able to do now because i'm freelance it was quite hard for me to do when i was still working in studios uh, because i don't know i didn't have the same dynamic and the same 
uh, motivation. I would say that uh, some I, I did like working in studios, and that's great to have a, a team around uh, focused on the same um, goal. Um, that's it was very good, and I did enjoy my time there. But um, sometimes on projects, your motivation really goes down, and you know it affects you professionally, uh, on your hobbies, on your personal life, and. I've got rid of all of this, <laughs> so now I can, uh, I can find motivation again to do other things that I like. And moving forward, yeah, I'd like to expand this universe and also start exploring the the movie industry that I never never tried so far to to step in. Awesome. Good luck with that. And thank you. I was wondering, like, you know, some of your stuff I saw on our session, do you also, what uh, 3D softwares do you use? And uh, how has the whole transition from 2D to 3D been for you? That's, uh, that's an interesting question because uh, definitely when I started, I was only uh, working in 2D, but I, I quickly understood the power of 3D um, in, in my workflow. Um, the speed and uh, the, pre the the precision. Um, so at the time I was using SketchUp, I started learning uh, at 3D with SketchUp because it was easier for me because it was close to drawing somehow. Um, and then I moved to 3ds Max, but I, I can't. My brain doesn't work like this. Uh, I find it really difficult to be creative with any package that works like 3ds Max or, or Maya uh, because um, I'm not a technical person um, and I don't want technical problems getting in in the way of my creativity. Um, I mean, with a paper, I can draw and get to what I want. And I want the same in uh, with a 3D software, but not through years and years of learning how this package works. Uh, so w once I went to a talk and it was, I don't remember if it was Finian or uh, Finian McManus or uh, Jama Jorabaev, uh, were both artists using VR. Um, and I discovered that you could sculpt and create stuff in VR and um, in 3D. And I was like, oh, this is cool. So I bought a headset the day after the event and um, and I started to, to explore uh, this um, software like Gravity Sketch or Medium. I don't know if you know this uh, software, yeah. And, um, and I found it so easy, so intuitive and so creative that I was like, okay, this, this, is, this is for me and this is my package. And I just got rid of 3ds Max, and now I model and sculpt everything in either Gravity Sketch or or um, Adobe Medium because because it feels like drawing or or sculpting with clay, and it's much closer to being creative than trying to find whatever I need in menus in 3ds Max. So so yeah. That's, I've been integrating that to my workflow for a couple of years now. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So, awesome. So, you added basically added Gravity Sketch to your design process. Is is that correct? Exactly, yeah. All right. So, let, let, me, let me see. 
first, of course, you come up with the ideas, then you do some sketches, then you try those sketches in Gravity uh, Sketch, okay. and you polish and refine till you come to final, like, you know, pleasing results, right? Is that your whole process right now? So, somehow, yeah. I mean, sometimes I directly start in Gravity Sketch because it's also a great way to sketch um, uh, like in 2D, but in 3D. So I save up time there. I sometimes still do the, the first sketch on paper or in Photoshop um, during my coffee. <laughs> so I'm not going there out on a black can, uh, blank canvas. Um, so yeah, pretty much from start to finish in this kind of software, I set up the scene in, in Blender though. I mean, in VR, I mostly build things or parts of things, and I set up everything in in Blender, and I do the rendering in Blender, and I always have a post-process file, uh, phase um, in Photoshop because um, uh, um, my my 3D is not good. I mean, not good in in sense of uh, topology. Uh, so that's not something I deliver, and, and that's not something I can just set up. Uh, um, in a render ren rendering software and just lit and put materials and and that's that's it um, and I um, and I don't like somehow to just deliver um, a picture of a 3D object. So I always have this post-processed uh, phase in Photoshop to make it my own uh, because I mean uh, renderers are. Not not at all the same, but um, I mean, you know, you get the same lighting, you get the same materials, the same. So there's no personality in there, and I want to get that back uh, with Photoshop. Make those like you know bright spots pop, actually, like make those colors pop. Exactly. I want my decisions to be seen in mm -hmm. the final image. And that's actually an interesting topic because Blender made the whole process of topology and all of that actually quite easy compared to like other softwares. I've, I'm sure you can agree. Um, but let me tell you something. Like there are some insane wizards when it comes to Blender when you can see them all on Twitter and yeah. whatever. Like they do like, you know, some, especially with the, it's all in the notes when it comes to Blender actually. And if you actually know technically be well versed in Blender, you can do a lot of stuff. It's crazy. And um, there was this, uh, Andrew Price had this kid on his podcast. He's, I think, even now, 16 years old, he started Blender when he was 12 and a half, Ludwig something. And he's actually a pro now. Okay. Like, he, wow. I was like, and the stuff he does with Blender is kind of like, you know, blows my mind. And I recently started 3D and Blender and all that stuff. It's not even like two, three months. And I barely haven't done much work, actually, because I've been busy with a lot of stuff, you know, in my life. Um, but aside from that, Blender has a lot of, like, potential. And it's actually a meme in the 3D, <laughs> like, community that anyone who... Anyone who uses Blender can't shut up about using Blender. Like, you know, <laughs> you're, you're using 3D Max? Oh, have you tried Blender? Like, you know, it's name and stuff as well. Because, I mean, it's an amazing software, but yeah. But yeah, it's crazy all everything you can do with it, uh, like sculpting and modeling and rendering. And it's 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 the whole package. I mean, uh, to be honest, when, I mean, it's I know it's already possible, but it's not very... Uh, Thread. Um but I mean, when I'll be able to uh, switch easily in different modes. 
uh, yeah, from VR to Blender, you know, but still keeping my headset on. Oh, that would so- be perfect. Oh yeah, you're. I think I, I I know it's already possible, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that it, will, it's yeah. not that great yet. Yeah, it needs to be oiled more a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but don't worry. Like in like less than a year, I think some some people are still like you know working on a project like this because the amazing thing about open source projects is this because it allows a lot of people to develop on it. You know, like you know, add mm. a little bit more value to it. Like any even in programming languages, like any language that is open source has tried a lot more hundred times more than languages that are not open source you know and uh i'm sure like you know blender will actually even become much greater at even much better than gravity sketch when it comes to like vr stuff like that because of its i'm, I'm, I'm by the way i'm not sure if gravity sketch is open source or not but if that's not the case i'm sure no, no, no. that oh then blender will i think has a high chance of surpassing it because it's uh, like a relatively new field in general vr like like by VR, I mean VR that you can actually, like, you know, from a basic level, can, you know, interact with the environment and stuff. It's it's relatively new. It's like an infant now. Now, give it, like, five, six years, not even that, maybe not even next year. There's a lot of things that's going to change and progress, and I'm sure Blender will try to, you know, work on that as well. And um, I hope so. Yeah, that would, that would be awesome. I mean, I personally, here's the thing, I might sound like a boomer, but it, I don't know, it's a hot take. I, I don't really... I mean, looks the tech looks amazing, but I'm not a really big fan of like AR, VR, and stuff like that. I mean, okay, uh, what, what don't you like about it? No, it's not that I don't like it. It's just I don't know. Like especially like AR is much more acceptable because I mean it could have a lot of more potential, like you know, in different devices and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just don't enjoy VR, and I know it kind of sounds like kind of weird because for me, I, I love technology and stuff like that. Like I personally wouldn't use it like that much. I don't know. It doesn't seem I guess there's something off-putting about it. I don't know. Well, the thing is that if you've got no need, no particular need, yeah, exactly. yeah well, you know, yeah, it's like and... having or not having a car. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we talked about, you know, cars and driving for the podcast. And speaking of which, um, about, like, you know, there's this, uh, I think, uh, thing I saw, I talked, oh wait, it was in Nature with Chuck. I think I had him on uh, episode 153, like recently. And we were talking about, you know, uh, I think some hard surface stuff. And he mentioned something called Robo Racers or something like that. And, um, oh yeah, I remember it. He was talking about some of his favorite artists. And he mentioned one of the main artists of Robo Racers is uh, some, a guy, a German guy Daniel. named Robin Dennis. Dennis. Oh, what? I don't know this guy, but I know Daniel Simon. Oh, yes, that. I don't know why. Mr. Jesus. And yeah. So what do you think about it? I mean, I'm asking you because you have like literally a book cover on your shelf right there. <laughs> yeah. Do I have to get it? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. If you yeah. want to show. Well, I can. So, yeah, I right, think it's an you. extraordinary book. <laughs> For the oh, yeah. audio listeners, you might want to just switch to YouTube to watch what we're going to look at. Yeah, and so it's, it's that's uh, of timeless racer. Exactly right. from Daniel Simon. So it's a, um, a book that is published with um, lots of cars is designed and uh, stories, fictional stories um, around those cars. I'm sure, you can see it well. Yeah, we can see it well. 
So yeah, I mm. love. Uh, I mean, that's definitely one of my favorite designer. For those who are not familiar with this guy, is um, he, he became famous to the wide audience, I would say, uh, because he's designed um, um, the helicopter and some other things in the movie Oblivion ah. with Tom Cruise. Um, so so yeah, I, I'm I'm not. Um, I'm not a car lover, but I do like cars because of the yeah designs and technology. So I usually do get books uh, about cars, and uh, the Robo Racer we were talking about this uh, is this (laughs) is a Hot Wheels version of one of the cars. Yeah, exactly, and it's beautiful, beautiful car. It's a drone, so no no driver and they are doing like um yeah drone races uh, actually and i i was lucky because i went to uh, formula e grand prix with my boy um, with my um with my um oh uh brother and his girlfriend uh, i was in berlin in co- a couple of years ago and because it's Formula E so electric, uh, there are some cool uh, tech exposed, and there was one prototype of the Robo Race, and um, it was not this one, because uh, when they do uh, test um, and they, they, they taking data from the track, they need to put a driver in it. So they've got a version of the Robo Race that looks like um, a Le Mans car. Hmm. Um, um, well, um, so, so it's got, got cockpit <laughs> I mean it's got oh. cockpit um, I'm trying to um, I don't know if you see the kind of car we've got at the, the Le, Le Mans race Le Mans race, let me actually type that um, yeah, M-M-A-N-S I'm not sure how to pronounce that in English because it's, it's a fine. French world <laughs> Le Mans Le Mans equipment? Uh, no, if you type um, L E, oh, circuit twenty four hours of Le Mans. Yes, exactly. So uh, the Robo Race looks like one of this car. Uh, I mean, the the prototype looks one like one of this car, and uh, there is a driver in it. So the um, the process. Okay, I'm not a I'm not an expert, but the process is that they've got two cars. So they've got the drone version and the driver uh, version, and the driver version would do the first lap. And actually, that was fun because um, one of the uh, um, I don't remember his name, but the guy who designed those crazy clothes, you know, are like super futuristic June-ish. Uh, There's a lot of people who do that stuff, but yeah, but no, but um, oh god, acronym. Uh... No, I, like, no. Could you give me some okay. examples? Uh, well, uh, clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a link. But I mean, the All guy, right, sure, sure. the guy behind the, the brand acronym, uh, was one of the driver uh, actually um, of these prototypes, like him. So they they send um, a driver in the prototype during the first race to to get the data and, and blah blah blah, and then they somehow put that in the drone and then um, they analyze it and max oh, and optimize yeah, it, it, and then the drone can make can do the race alone. That's uh, that's quite interesting. Without and I, wait, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go on, go on, go on. No, I think that's the faster um, drone car in the world, actually. Oh, really? The fastest, sorry. Yeah. In the Le Mans circuit? 
Oh, no, 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 no. So that's definitely not part of Le Mans. It's just that um, the, the prototype version of this, um, because, I mean, that definitely doesn't look like a Le Mans car, but the prototype yeah. version of this looks like um, a Le Mans car. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. And I was going to say, like, you know, without getting too existential on all that stuff, like, you know, about life, but when you think, when you think about what is going on in the past couple of years, like, step by step, all right, we're moving in a direction of like, you know, that AI is going to be a huge part of our lives. And well, how does AI become strong and does more complex tasks is first to master the basic tasks. For example, um, like in 19, I think it was in 2003 or 1997 or eight, I think. I'm sorry for not being like super aware of this, but basically long story short, there was this AI computer got called Deep Blue, which was programmed and designed to beat Gary Kasparov. The, at the time, he was the world champion in chess, and he's one of the greatest chess players of all time. And here's the thing, for the first time, that was like one of those first ever like man versus machine type of stuff. And I think Deep Blue at some point, yes, Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov, if I'm not mistaken. Like there were a couple of matches. But at the time, it was so shocking that, oh, my God, man. It, like, But, I mean, right now, of course, there are, like, you know, um, algorithms of, like, you know, advanced so much. Like, there's, like, Stockfish and Alpha, Alpha Zero. And there's another one, like, basically, chess AIs who, who, like, right now, I think the highest rated person alive, like, as a grandmaster, is, grandmaster in chess is, like, 2,880 or something, Magnus Carlsen. Um, but the... Right now, the supercomputers that play chess and the algorithms, they are, like, estimated to have, like, a ranking rating of 4,000. Like, they're that strong. So here's the thing. Chess, and they also did it with Dota 2, which, you know, Elon Musk is, like, you know, company did to try to be make an algorithm to try to beat pro esports, like, you know, teams, which they did. I didn't and know now, that. <laughs> here's the thing. Now they're doing it with driving cars. Which, if they can, the algorithms can can be strong enough to evade. Listen, I'm sure, like after the cars, the rover racers can beat all the top pro, like you know, drivers, the most experienced uh, players. They're going to add uh, more challenges to it. Like, for example, I don't know, make it to make it to be able to predict, like, how would it drive under, like you know, less light or maybe a slippery road or I don't know, like. Try to make the algorithm basically more stronger this way so it can learn from its mistake. And on and on and on. This trend will happen in everything. In, right now, it's happening at the, at the very basic minimum of like tasks. Um, but like, you know, later on, we're going to see like robots maybe even do art. Right now, like there are some generative stuff. Yeah, some, yeah, but I mean, that's yeah. like a really general thing to say. Like, do art, what does that mean? But, for example, for concept art, there's some... I had uh, someone on the podcast called Kate Kibar. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, yeah, uh, great artist. And he's, 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 like, this is sharing a lot of, like, you know, generative art hmm. egg from Google AI. And I'm like, and some of them actually look super cool, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Wait a minute. Are, like, my dreams of becoming a concept artist is going to look like a little bit more bleak if it's going to get... No, no, I, know, I, know. I don't think so. But I think that that's just um, a crazy tool, definitely. I mean, I, I need to get into it uh, because I've, the thing is that 
when that kind of tech uh, showed up, people were like, oh, well, you older guys using photo bashing, blah, 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 or your job is, uh, yeah, it's gone. Well, that's not true. I was actually quite excited to see that because I was like, well, that's a new tool to my for my workflow. I mean, I can do crazy stuff with that. I mean, I can get a base from this and then um, push it further, you know, but I can generate quick uh, ideas quickly. I don't think it would be the death of concept art. Not at all. It would just be another tool like 3D uh, because it's powerful. I mean, you can do environments in it. Some you can do uh, faces, character faces, uh, hyper-realistic. You wouldn't even know that an, an AI generated this kind of stuff. I think that's just another tool uh, in our belt. Um, the thing is, Maybe we get there some somehow, uh, but concept art is about decisions, uh, just like art direction, right? And at the end, um, is the decision made for a certain product? I know that logically speaking, uh, I, I would say it's A plus B uh, equal to C, right? So I guess that somehow you can translate that into a language that an AI uh, can understand, and yeah, it will do the job. But I don't think it would do it um, as good as an, a human could do. It would give, um, I mean, in in terms of um, emotions, I would say. Uh, it, it would definitely give a great base, and that's why it's such a great tool, because maybe you can solve, uh, like, the lower-level problems that we usually encounter by doing concept art Um but then you can take this and push it further. And anyway, I mean, you give the same base generated by an AI to different concept artists with the same goal, they will still do it a different way. So, um, I mean, yeah, to me, that's just a very, very interesting uh, tool that I definitely need to get my hands on uh, because I've been lazy, but I need to <laughs> I need to try to incorporate that to my workflow. Yeah, I mean, you actually pointed out a lot of like interesting stuff. Um, I mean, as I said, I said it in a really general way, but like, yeah, I mean, even with photo bashing and stuff like that, you still need to have an understanding of like, you know, art fundamentals and stuff like that to be actually able to use photo bashing in the first place, you know? Um, like, of course, I mean, not just that, even with the AI stuff, I mean, there's some things that, you know, as you said, like, for example, the feelings, the emotions in artworks and stuff like that. I think one of the safest, actually, like, you know, just speaking right now, one of the safest career options, like in the future, will be creative fields. Because creativity is not just logical, it's much more complex. There's, it it uh, encompasses so many aspects that you need to, you, you shouldn't just look, of course, I mean, you don't look at and naturally at a piece of work and your process as just logically, because that's right now what our computers are super good at. So computers are super good at and great at logic, even better than humans. But when you add like a level of uh, abstraction to it, and when it comes to like, you know, want to like, you know, add more layers of abstraction, like uh, be creative with it in other, in other senses and aspects. I mean, of course, robots can do that. I mean, right now can't do that. But honestly, I don't like, here's a weird thing. I try to always be open-minded about stuff. And maybe I'm wrong, but there's like a sense in me that says like, there are things that could never be replaced no matter how much technologically we get advanced, I think. Like some of them are just genuine human feelings and emotions. I know that sounds that might sound kind of like corny and cheesy what I'm trying to say, but 
long story short, um, I don't think you can necessarily replicate. I mean, you can try to mimic feelings or stuff like that, but actual feelings, and I don't think that's kind of possible because it. All right, see, this is where what I like about podcasts because we get into these rabbit holes, we dug ourselves deeper, and we don't know where it's gonna lead. So here's I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper. The reason of that is I think because we. I don't know much about philosophy and like religion and all that stuff without getting into it, but this is my theory because we have souls. And because we have souls, we can create some sometimes really amazing artworks or do certain stuff and machines don't have it. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It, it doesn't sound like a logical response. I know. I know it sounds <laughs> kind of kooky and crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe one day they try to, I don't know, store souls in unit and they sell it to the rich. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think Elon Musk is already on the mission to, <laughs> to do this kind of stuff. To be honest, I would love to see that happen. I'm not sure I'll be, I'll be living long, long enough to see that happen. I hope that somehow that's possible. I know that's weird. Uh, I mean, I do have this discussion quite often with my with my boyfriend and also about autonomous cars and stuff like this. I mean, he works in, uh, in, in, um, in a car field in formula one. So, so we usually do get these kind of discussions, uh, like about how AI, uh, could help, uh, with different stuff. We've got complete different, um, uh, opinions, um, about those things, but, I hope that one day, yeah, we, we can we can reach this level that you're talking about that somehow uh, right now it is not possible. That would be interesting. But just like you said, um, I mean, at a certain time when this kind of uh, technology exists, there will still definitely be things I think that the the, the the AI wouldn't be able to do mostly because humans evolve as well, and um, and I mean we we don't know. I mean, just like okay, very maybe easy example, but just like we didn't know that uh, chips of credit card would exist, and 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 smartphone would exist, and internet would exist, and all this stuff, you know. I mean, two hundred years from now. What kind of new technology we have? What kind of new things maybe humans would be able to, uh, uh, to, to, yeah, to have to perceive to, to whatever. So uh, obviously you can always develop a technology when you know it and you can in, uh, incorporate the, um, I mean the, the data and the goal you want into it. But before you've got to experience it, otherwise you can't put it in an in an AI. So, but I'm looking forward to, to see this. I hope I live long enough. <laughs> awesome. And, um, well, speaking of that, I was wondering if there was like a way to still stay as long as you can, like, you know, as long as you want, would you do it? Like, all right, let me give you an example. Like if, for example, there was an option to, kind of like, I don't know, store your consciousness into like a mechanical or digi digital body, would you do it? I think so. But I mean, I've got a weird ethics when it comes to 
technology advancement, um, progression, evolution. I love that and I'm thankful and I think the world is thankful I'm not a scientist or an engineer because I think I will have no ethics because I'm so curious that I would love to. Well, yeah, I see you <laughs> doing a weird face. And I mean, when I said I, I would not have any ethics, um, no, it's fine. I mean, I, you know, I don't have any ethics as well. Cheers. It's the, um, it's, the, it's the scene somehow of the human race to be curious and to, to see how far uh, we could go, you know. So I, f I think, I mean, to answer your question, yes, I think I would do it because, because I think that I would regret not trying it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, it's going to fail and blow us all up. I mean, I, I really enjoyed your villain origin story. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but... You, so, yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, you are going to answer your own question? Because I'd love to um, know the answer. All right. Actually. Well, actually, I, it's kind of weird. Like, all right, let me actually think about it for a second. Because actually, recently, I've been quite like crippled with, you know, um, existentialism myself. So it's actually a fresh topic for me. Um, I don't know. It depends if it's, I still have work to do and I feel satisfied. And you don't feel satisfied? Yeah, sure. I'll try it. Try risk it. What's gonna happen? You know. And if not, then yeah, I'll try it for fun. Yeah. So both scenarios, I'll try it. Yeah. So okay, I've got a question for you then. I mean, if tomorrow um, rocket to Mars, we need passengers. You're never gonna come back to 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 Earth. Are you going? Well, here's the thing. Uh, uh, all right. There are some conditions. I mean, of course. Um, can I still record my podcaster? Is that possible? Oh, in on Mars? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, wait. Can I ride the dune? Can I ride the dune buggy on the Mars? Well, that would be fun. I, I would right. love to do that as well. <laughs> hmm. Well, maybe I did a. At my retirement age, I might do that, but now, I mean, there's still a lot of places I'd like to go one day that that are still on this planet. I mean, for a quick travel, sure, but when you mm. say it like phrase it like this that you go to Mars and don't come, I, I'm not like no. I mean, I could just take some take an acid trip with some mush, magic mushrooms and go to space by myself. I mean, there's no need to go and get a rocket rocket or something. I mean, come on. <laughs> Like, I mean, if I really want to see the world from outside, like the stratosphere, I mean, that's not a really hard thing to access. I mean, come on. You can get high. I mean. Yeah, sorry. This is, this is, I, I did not give yeah, your sorry. answer. The, the podcast is not very educational right now. I'm sorry. Kids, don't do drugs, please. Definitely not Peggy 13. Yeah. Oh god. Okay, that's interesting. That's a very, very interesting answer actually. I'm glad I asked the question. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and well Alright, so um have you been to space by the way? Just wondering. 
Or would you like to go to Have space? Have I ever been to space? Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yes, I'd love to. I've never been, unfortunately, but I'd love to go to space, definitely, and to Mars. And I remember um, um, when I was at Frontier, we were talking a lot about this kind of stuff with my colleague Ben Andrews, very great artist, by the way. And, um, and he was asking me, what would be my first question to an alien race if I have got to meet one? And I remember I said, could you show me your spaceship, please? <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, I mean, oh, that's such a, such a cool, we, such a cool question, actually. And uh, here's the thing, like, you know, this is actually such an interesting topic as well. Well, I'm trying to, I'm actually going to, um, tell you something that you should definitely watch after the podcast and to anyone who's listening let me try to see if i can find it um basically it was i found it this morning on youtube there was this actually french old french cartoon um in 70s and let me see if i can find it basically without spoiling too much let me give you the gist of it uh it's a fictional world where on oh i found it it, its name is Fantastic Planet. Uh, the video title of, in the YouTube is A World Where Humans Are Raised as Pets, which is super interesting and trippy. It's like, uh, it, it's actually super, super interesting, like, you know, piece of the video just covered the whole thing in 10 minutes, but it's super awesome. And about the alien part, like, um, actually, I said this uh story like once before on the Ahmed Al-Duri episode because we got into alien stuff as well on the podcast. Um, have you seen you for yourself? I wish. Uh, I, I wish, you know. I mean, uh, I definitely did see some weird stuff in the sky. I'm pretty sure there were not UFOs, but I'd love to believe. I'd love to. It's not that I'd love to believe. I'd love them to have been UFOs, but I'm pretty sure they are not. But no, where have you? <laughs> yeah, actually, I did once in my life, like actually legit. Uh, and if you're interested, I can say it again if you want. The story of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, here's the thing. Here's the weird thing, actually. As you can remember, like, you know, in the early early 2000s, there was a lot of like videos of UFO sightings and stuff. And now as the cam- camera quality got better, there are less UFO videos, you know? So there's that. So I need to first mention that. And also I need to mention that right now the drones are so advanced right now. They can maneuver so weirdly that if you just attach some bunch of neon LED lights to a drone in the night, you could easily like, you know, mistake it for UFO. Like I also am aware of that. And I'm also... Thirdly, and lastly, I've heard that a lot of people lie just for attention. But actually, this is legit. Let me tell you. It was about, like, I think four or five years ago. Like, it was in the spring break uh, from my university. Me and my aunts and uncles' family, we all together went on a trip to the south of uh, Iran in a small city called... Uh, God, why did I forget it? I even went there twice. It's in the Boucher province, basically. Uh, I was... Siraf, Siraf, that's the name of it. It's a really super old ancient city, which is like one of those 2,000, 3,000 year old ports that have been one of the trade hubs of like, you know, ships from China, Africa and stuff like that. Actually, half the city is underwater, by the way. Like it's in the ruins of it is actually under the, on the ocean floor near the port. And the thing is, we on our way back, all right, it was, I think, 7, 8 p.m., in the car, my brother was driving, and my dad was in the front seat, the other front seat. I was in the middle, and my aunt and mom were on my side. I was like, you know, sitting back seat, 
in the middle, right? Here's what we saw. On our way, we saw this like, uh, if you could imagine, visualize me in the back seat, all right? And we're going forward. And if this is the car on here in front of us, there was a ball of green thing, like, you know, bright emitting green thing, just floating, levitating like this, like crazy. Then it stopped for a second. Then it did whoosh, went to the sky and it disappeared. And it was so trippy. We, we all looked at each other and was like, did that just happen? <laughs> and yeah, our car, we actually pulled over and my uncle's car, which was behind us, also pulled over and say, what happened? And my my other brother from the other car, first thing he saw, shouted at us, said, did you guys see that? And I was like, yeah. So yeah, that was actually the one of the most uh, like anticlimactic UFO sightings ever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for first, I don't know, it could be a possibility that it might be a, like, I don't know, prototype Chinese, I don't know, military jet pilot or something. I don't know. It could be, but it the movement was, it, it, it's a thing you would see in hallucinations, you know? Okay. It was weird. That's, yeah. I mean, did you sleep this night? <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, actually, I have. I mean, also... I mean, in the sense of after what happened, or could you just not stop thinking about that? I still think about it to, to now. I mean, that's why I'm telling you this. Yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, I have a... Like, I, no, those aren't really super important, but I had a lot of like weird, a little bit too realistic dreams, which I'm not going to cover because, I mean, d- dreams are dreams. You know, they're not definite proof. Mm. But I actually, factually saw it with my own eyes. I mean, come on. And uh, But it's kind of like, you know, weird to say this because right now the... <laughs> amount of UFO sightings like as the you know there's also this saying that like even a hundred years ago people would say oh I saw a miracle I saw this guy like you know a fire came out of his hands but as the camera got invented and a lot of things got better the miracles got less and less so I I understand there's a lot of like you know tomfoolery going on in this stuff you know I understand there's a lot of <laughs> fake stuff and people do a lot of attention so I'm aware of that but that being said, that was weird, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, to be honest, I'd love to experience this kind of, um, uh, you know, well, what the fuck situation, what did you just see? Uh, was that even real? Mm. You know? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think your best chance, if you want to experience that, is to go to uninhabited, like far off places in the wild. And at nights, you you might be lucky and get see some. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, mathematically not, not, speaking, uh, you have the best chances there. Right? Do you, do you think that's uh, where UFOs hide? Mm, could be, could be. I mean, could the, be. the most common theory is that the aliens hide under the ocean, which there's a lot of like you know videos on subjects of about the like ufos like light coming out on out of the ocean there's like you know all documentations i know uh, by the way sorry everyone who's listening i'm i'm self-aware that this is kind of turning into ancient aliens <laughs> type of stuff but yeah i mean it's fine i mean let's let's, let's chat and um one of the third there's like text from like old books of sailors like you know from like four or five hundred years ago that they all mentioned the light coming under, under the ocean like there's sudden disruptions and all that stuff mm. and i mean there's there's so many possibilities like possibilities are endless with aliens sure. I mean, doesn't doesn't mean that they're alien though i mean if they're um, i mean 
Uh, I mean, there are so many species we don't know deep down in the oceans because it's so deep that we... But do they come out of the sky to... and go to the sky? Yeah, okay, maybe not. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I mean, if there are cages, I definitely want to see them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird. Even in 2020, no one really, like, you know, give a crap about, but Pentagon actually officially, like, approved the existence of UFOs. And actually, they give it, I think, a new name. Like, for the first time, they met, they ex- they kind of, like, approved the existence of aliens and stuff like that in 2020. You can actually check it out uh, for anyone who's listening. And uh, for me, you know, I'm, I went down this rabbit hole because you said, you know, you, you and your colleagues were talking about if you saw an alien, what would you ask? Um, it depends. Like, you know, I think the best answer is to always go by your gut. So if that alien kind of looks sus and probably wanted to um, uh, 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 do some operations on you, just go with your gut and punch him and run. If that's not the case... <laughs> Yeah, just take care and see if they're chill. Maybe they're, they're they're cool guys. You know, they like the same same shows as us. You know, you never know. No. Yeah? Oh, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? I'd love to know one day. <laughs> For now, um, let, let's jump back into the track of you know what we're talking initially. I hope you all enjoyed this uh, rabbit holes we jump into in the podcast. And well, speaking of like you know the mentorships, you're going to open up some mentorship slots, right? For people to. <laughs> So, so I'd love to, mostly because I've had some demands, I would say, um, because somehow, um, let's say that the the niche in concept art, concept design, uh, I am is uh, quite highly um, searched by companies and studios, and. There, there's not a lot of people out there. There are still, there are still a few, obviously, but uh, not enough. There is definitely um, high loads of work in this field, um, and um, a lot of people, uh, young students, to learn, uh, learning, starting, uh, don't really know how to get their heads around the the topic. Um, so I'm still thinking about it. Obviously, I'm preparing the best way to to do it to be able to 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 teach uh, someone uh, something so it would take time but at some point yes i would love to be able to um to do some mentorship the one-to-one mentorship i do love pedagogy i do love um, um uh, not necessarily teaching but being a little help in someone's development i like to be around students um, I go to some schools sometimes to give conferences or to do workshops uh, with the students. And I do love seeing how people can grow. And one of the best, um, yeah, one, one of the best um, uh, uh, reward is to, is to see someone who is clearly um new to the field new to the topic struggle at the beginning and then succeed and deli- and over deliver that's just um crazy and I'd, I'd love to help people do that uh, so i'm thinking about it that would be very very interesting in doing this in the future all right awesome so if anyone is interested in like doing hard surface stuff or like doing 
assets and visual development for sci-fi genre or stuff, or generally just, you know, concept art, you know, you like your stuff, you can, you know, keep an eye out for the mentorship status, mentorship, like, you know, courses and the status on our website as well, which is in the description down below. <laughs> Thank and, you very much. Well, I also, you know, want to ask you about some of your, you know, past experience of like, you know, working on, you know, previous like you know ips i mean if there's like of course no ndas involved um i assume there's always uh, ndas involved <laughs> yes i mean of course but i mean unfortunately like, do all of them still stand i mean that's uh, yeah yes. well yeah yes yes i mean <laughs> uh, i can talk about a couple of things differently but yeah, um sure. but definitely there are some yeah i'll never be able to talk about and uh or show anything from yeah i mean obviously um but yeah, so far, um, I mean, I've been lucky from the start of my career because um, after my internship, I got to work on, a, I got hired for a year to work on a video game, a sci-fi video game project in France called uh, Jewel Universe in the studio called Nova Quark. And that was cool. But after that, my contract ended and I was looking for a new work, a new studio to hire me. But in the meantime, I went freelance not because i wanted to but because i got contacted by one guy one day on linkedin uh trammel ray isaac uh, the art director at the time the um, the, the art director at the um, a bosky studio working on lawbreakers it's um it's a game that unfortunately uh, uh um, did close his servers because it was a FPS uh, multiplayer uh, game and it had like very strong competitors like um, uh, Fortnite, PUBG no, 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 it was at the time that Overwatch came out ah. so when the when the uh, shortly after the first uh, um, trailer, teaser trailer was released, um, they announced Overwatch. And the um, art direction was somehow uh, so close to Overwatch. Um, or I would say Overwatch was so close art direction-wise to the project um, I was working on that they did have to... Um, I mean, I was not inside the studio. I was just a freelancer, but I, I guess that uh, from this announcement, they had to delay and to review a little bit of their goals, mostly because you don't get out there as an indie studio and try to fight with Blizzard. <laughs> that doesn't work. So, um, so, so yeah, but that, that was a, um, a cool um, experience working on Lawbreakers. Um, I was mostly, well, yeah, doing props. Um, the underwriter told me he did like the props I did for um, Dual Universe, the previous game I was on. And it was like, uh, I'd love you to do the same um, for the game. So I was like, yeah, let's go. And that was my first freelance experience like years ago. Um, and that was pretty cool. And then right after this, out of nowhere, I just get contacted to work on Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, not by uh, directly by Bioware, but uh, by Volta. It's a Canadian outsourcing studio, um, amazing artist. And I was like, how the fuck did they? Sorry, I'm not sure I can swear. But how did it yeah, find you can, me? You can swear. <laughs> fuck, let's go. I don't have any sponsors. Let's go. 
I mean, why me? I mean, there are so many people out there doing cool stuff. Uh, why me? But actually, it's mostly because at the time my portfolio was filled with um, with props. And, you know, I mean, props in the field of concept art uh, is, the, is definitely what most people consider as being the you know, the the worst thing you could do in concept art. When, to be honest, I love it. I have fun doing it. Uh, and, and But yeah, there's not a lot of people who want to do this. Uh, obviously, when you're working in studio, you have to do it because there's a lot of props to design and you can't always do the environments or characters because there's always more props than environments and characters in a game. That's how it is. You need things to populate the world. So I think they, they found my folio because they, um, yeah, it was filled with props and that's everything they needed. So I got to design a props for more alien races um, for Mass Effect Andromeda. And that was pretty cool. Obviously, I did not expect the, yeah, the perception of the game to be the way it is, uh, the way it has been. Um, but it was still a great experience for me. Um, and I didn't know what was going on because I was not working directly for BioWare. Um, I was working for Volta, so I had no idea how, I would say, chaotic maybe the development of this game was. From my side, it was cool, <laughs> I would say. And um, so, so yeah, there, there are, those were two major things that happened at the beginning of my career, very beginning. It was just unbelievable uh, for me coming out of nowhere after my first job, getting those kind of gigs. Um, and that helped me then getting hired by Frontier. This is when I moved to uh, to Cambridge, Um because I was living in Paris so far. I did work on Elite Dangerous, which is a sci-fi game, an MMO, uh, where you drive spaceships around the galaxies. Um, and it's pretty cool. It, it was very nice. We were a nice big team, a good-sized team of, um, of concept artists. We were five, including my um, my art director, lead concept. Um and, and yeah, and Elite Dangerous, there, there is a lot of weapons and props and stuff to design. So that's basically, yeah, what I've been doing there uh, with a couple of spaceships and um, human and alien spaceships. And those were fun because the alien um, designs we had to do, the alien props or spaceships and everything, this, were where, this, this is where you could just like, unleash your creativity because you know it's aliens so obviously you've got some rules to to respect uh, our design our direction wise um, but these were super super fun um, to to develop and to pitch and you could see the team getting excited uh, um, about the ideas uh, the, our concept team was gathering and putting out there yeah, these were the best moments, uh, definitely at Frontier, designing the alien stuff for the Guardians and the Fargoids. And then I moved on, I moved to um, work at Creative Assembly on an IP I unfortunately can talk about. Uh, it's a, I, only, I can only say that it's a first-person shooter. Um, 
I don't work at Creative Assembly anymore. So, um, um, so, so yeah, I don't even know how it's going there. Um, but it, it, it's from the time I was there, it, it, I know it's an exciting IP and I just can't wait there to release it. But I can't really, yeah, I can't say much more about it. Yes. Now, now, now I'm freelance, so I'm working on different projects. I'm working for uh, things people consider really bad. Uh, I'm mostly working for NFT projects, actually. So, But to me, they're regular clients. So, Join well. the dark side. You're on the <laughs> Sith Lord side. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Like, I really don't like this kind of judgmental attitude towards, you know, people who do NFTs. I mean, here's the thing. It, it's a whole can of worms for it of itself. But when uh, I think it's kind of like moronic to be judgmental of an artist trying to do doing NFT contracts to make money. Like, I mean, it's just another contract. Like, I mean, who cares? if it's for NFTs or not. I mean, of course, there's a lot of problems with NFT, like general Definitely. society and com community in general. Like, I mean, of course. Um, but it, it's so kind of like condescending to try to judge someone because they're like, for example, doing NFTs. Like, they're mm -hmm. trying to make money. Like, it's as simple as that. Who doesn't like money? Like, the same person who usually judges people, oh, they're selling out, they're doing NFTs, they're doing 3D Oh, apes i don't i don't know some stuff like that uh like the same pair of people who say that would in an instant do the same job for the one tenth of the money if they could like we're all trying to i don't know so i yeah, guess but, um, but i yeah. don't like this judgmental attitude honestly i mean i have a lot of problems with the nft community nft nfts basically in general like most of it but like it's it's so moronic to be judgmental towards artists in that sense. Yeah, I, I definitely understand the, uh, why people get upset um, about NFTs and um, and other, um, um, well, NFTs in particular. But um, and I don't have a, um, a set in stone, as I say, opinion about this. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't myself do NFT. So, uh, I, I'm still interested in it. I'm interested of knowing how it works and blah, blah, blah. Um, what, what I do is not sold as NFT. I mean, I do regular, <laughs> I mean, I don't have to justify myself, but I mean, I do regular concept art and stuff like this for uh, those companies. So to me, they're just asking whatever other, I'd say, normal clients yeah. would ask yeah, of course, me I mean, to do. Yeah, 100%. And, the rest uh, is their business. Yeah, just just give me the money. I'll I'll get the person. I'll kill the person. <laughs> Rest like a mercenary. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean to be honest about the whole NFT thing in general. Without like you know going deep into it, um, a lot of the oh we have a special guest right now. What's the name? Void. Void. Audio listeners, go to YouTube. Go to minutes, uh, one hour and 11 minutes and see Mr. Void, a little cute, evil-looking, yet so kind. <laughs> yeah, evil-looking. Well, please don't show us your butthole. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, as I was saying, um, there's a lot of problems with the NFT community, which I think the most thing mainly stems from the fact that most of the collectors there are the people who got rich 
Yeah, thank you for your input. Void. <laughs> um, are the people who got rich off of like buying crypto early on, like as you can see, like a lot of main, co- a lot of the collectors on Twitter, especially, they're not really connoisseurs of art or don't know any art. Like if someone like pays like I don't know fifty thousand dollars for like a JPEG of a Pepe the Frog, that doesn't mean like like this is just one silly little example there's so many more aspects to the whole thing i'm saying but long story short um it's fine by the way i enjoy the meows like it's fine I, I, sorry i've got to just put some food yeah, sure. in his brain. Sure, sure, go on. yeah it's fine of course <laughs> and um w- what food are you going to feed him um, I don't know the word in English, but it's like um, croquettes. I'm just gonna show you. <laughs> ah, these ones, yeah. We, my yeah. mom now feeds this stuff to my cats in Iran. Did you feed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's not. Do they have a certain set of time yelling. where they get in day? Yeah, actually. Oh, you missed out his time. Exactly. Now he was kind of getting angry. Where's my food? Uh, because, because our cats are like that as well. We feed them twice, like once in the morning when we go out and once in afternoon, evening. They have two shifts and they always get, they sit behind the windows ready for their food. Like, you know, yeah. the cats are super punctual animals. Like, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> But yeah, long story short, NFT collectors, not so very bright people, not not all of them, but majority. And um, if someone works for NFT, they're not antichrist, all right? Chill down, people. And um, yeah, but actually, but honestly, the, the technology is kind of exciting, but as as with everything when like a lot of money is involved, a lot of like, you know, wrong eyes could be also drawn to the whole, the whole thing now in this like, you know, situation NFTs, which as you can see, a lot of like athletes and famous personalities and celebrities are like, they're probably, I literally can't imagine this whole dialogue. Their manager's like, yo, yo, you got to check this out. This guy sold this ape for like $24 million. We got to make an NFT, dude. Your fans are dumb enough to buy them. And they make this cheap ass, like generative 2000 web 2.0 bullshit. And they try to sell this to their fans. It's so disgusting. And stuff like this is why people don't like NFTs, you know, not because uh, yeah. the tech is bad. And I, I definitely understand that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going to give my opinion on this. Uh, yeah. It's a whole, yeah, it's a whole <laughs> broad topic. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's so political, I would say. Yes, yeah, exactly. I won't, I won't get into this. I won't get into this. Yeah, especially in the world, it's so polarizing. I actually got rejected by an artist because I asked them, would you come on the podcast? And I said, um, no, you prom- your podcast promotes NFTs and I don't like that. And of course, politely, they said. But I was like, oh, that's weird. Because the- because at the time, I used to promote every artist that came onto my show. And they, if they minted any NFT, I would promote them. And, and not just NFTs, I promote every guest that comes on the podcast regardless of whatever they do they drop a course mm-hmm. they drop an FDA promote because I want to help them you know and yeah because of that apparently that's kind of like too as you said political for, for yeah. stuff that people want to stay away from and yeah and speak of like you know um, we talk about a bunch of you know variety of different subjects right now, but I think one thing that I ask everyone usually since I think day one which is I think an interesting question is this who are your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? And I know 
most artists are not good with names and there's a lot of people <laughs> but what what names right now pop into your mind um definitely i would say uh there is aaron beck i'm not sure you have to present this guy because it's it's super well known but it does the coolest robots on earth <laughs> that's it um, um he used to work for weta workshop did great work on uh, the game, uh, the the movies from Neighbourhood Camp. Uh, like, um, Chap- um, I think he, yeah, yeah, I think he did work on Chappie, uh, Chappie, Elysium, um, and I, I'm not sure he worked on District Nine though. But yeah, um, Aaron Beck's, um, Beck, sorry, Aaron Beck. Um, there is Fred Ogis, who is a French guy, who, in my opinion, is not uh, known enough, uh, mostly because he, I think he is a discreet uh, person, but he did work actually on Remember Me. This is how I discovered his work, because um, he, he is great at everything, uh, props, environments, characters. He's got a great graphic eye, uh, great shapes and use of colors. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing artist. Um, there is... Uh, um, oh, yeah, there is this guy from... I, I never... I think it's... Uh, it's He's on the Hello team. Um, he's called David Haydoff. Not sure how to pronounce his name. I think its name is German. Um, very good science fiction vehicles, uh, weapons, props, robots. He's got yeah, he's got some amazing, interesting, creative robots designs um, that I've never seen anywhere else. Um, yeah, I, I do like how how crazy, uh, visually crazy his designs are and really well thought and engineered. Uh, so that's a very nice combination you want to see. All right. Um, yeah. Is there anyone else? There, there will be tons of artists I could say, I could quote, but uh, I, I think, I think that'll All be right. enough. <laughs> Fair enough. And... Well, let's break away a little bit about like all this art-related stuff, you know. Let me ask you this: What area besides the area you're working on right now, which is of course you know art-related and you know visual arts right now, and would you be interested to explore and learn or do in the future? Like you know, what other hobbies or interests you have? Um, I do like music. I don't play often. I've got <laughs> I've got my guitar who's taking dust. My piano is taking less dust um, because I do like piano. I do to relax. Um, hey, <laughs> sorry. It's um, fine. Take your time. Um, Hobby-wise, yeah. Well, I'm definitely also a Netflix person, right? Uh, I do watch TV and series like everyone else. Uh, but I would say, yeah, music and 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 French uh, bande dessinée, French comics. Uh, that's my that's my thing. That would be that's yeah. Those are my hobbies. I'm quite a simple person. <laughs> music awesome. and reading. <laughs> no, I mean, what should it be? Should it be I bungee, mean, bungee jumping or something or some extreme yeah, sport? No, I mean, those I mean, are super yeah. cool hobbies. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I used to, I mean, those are the, my hobbies right now because I'm stuck in South of France with no sea uh, next to me. But I mean, when I was younger, I, I love extreme sports. So when I was younger, I was doing skateboard and aggressive roller and surf. That's all the stuff I can't do here. Uh, surf, definitely not because there's no sea around um, or close to me. And I think I won't do roller the way I was doing it uh, when I was younger, mostly because now I'm too old and I'm too afraid of breaking my my little things that give me money every day. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's actually such a, like a relatable, that kind of hits home for me too, because uh, before like I got serious about art, like, you know, I immigrated from Iran like three years ago, roughly, right, to Turkey. And of course, my stay here is uh, temporary. And but long story short, before I got serious about, it, of course, I liked art. Like it's a whole story of how I got into it. But this episode is not about me. But the thing is, um, at first, I put art aside and tried to focus on one of my main goals and passions that I've always had, which was martial arts. And I wanted to be GoPro at submission grappling and MMA and stuff like that. And I trained really hard for two years, even during Corona and pandemic, all and all that. And um, yeah when uh corona hit i got into art a little bit more and when the corona got it kind of not ended it still is going on kind of but even when it got a little bit less and more chill i even started like training super hard uh while i was doing a podcast while i was doing a bunch of other stuff while i was taking a class while i was working on a job like so complex you know i was just me the schedule was cramped but i was still doing it because i loved it but the problem was I kept getting really bad injuries and there was all and I encountered a lot of egotistical assholes in the gyms as well. I mean, you would be surprised. And um you you would be surprised that someone who has been in martial arts should, must be humble or something, but no. Yeah, not don't want to get into that. Yeah, I agree with you, Void, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean people are messed up. And um yeah, I started getting really bad injuries. Like I got a really bad, like my basically my tore my neck a bit, my muscles. Like that's how bad it was. Oh I, no! That happened oh. once. I I kind of broke one of my fingers and my foot, and I kept getting injured. I I got really bad muscle spasms, and yeah, I literally for the sake of art, I dropped BJJ. Hello. Stop! Stop yelling! Wait, <laughs> is this nails white or did you? Paint it. Uh, no, it's got the, uh, the tip of his, uh, yeah. Oh my god, that's so like, cool. That's it's so cute. It's so cute. And he's got the little thing on his eyes, right? Yeah. His right eye. Uh, really? Oh my god, <laughs> audio listeners, please go check the YouTube version. Please go <laughs> to the March 1 hour and 22 minutes. That's how you sell videos and podcasts with cats. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm gonna put the, actually, I'm gonna put this as the teaser for this episode. Yeah, I'm gonna put this as one of the teasers on the stories. Yeah, and yeah, I dropped it for the sake of art because I was like, I'm just getting injured, it's not adding anything positive to my life. So, what the hell am I doing? So, I dropped it. And but yeah, once I actually get get to somewhere, once I actually emigrated to my like you know, final destination, and I and I get a bit a little bit more established i actually want to as a funner hobby like as a, like you know you do sometimes you do some stuff not because of like you know attention or you're just doing it for yourself because you mm-hmm. you even sometimes like to keep it secret like i would love to like you know compete in like amateur mma matches later on like you know at that scenario just for myself because it's kind of fun when i think about it you know yeah, yeah but yeah, i told you what you mean when you said talked about surfing and stuff like that yeah 
Yeah, I mean, you know, just like you, I mean, I used to do karate uh, in competitions as well, uh, younger. I do miss that um, a lot. That's rush of like, outsmarting your opponent. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and also the uh, the mastering of yourself, you know, because uh, I mean, so um, there's different different variations of karate, but the one I was uh, uh, practicing is a no contact sport, right? Uh, You've got to. Was it Shotokan? Uh, I don't remember the name. I'm so bad. I'm really bad. I didn't study uh, everything about karate, <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, you you've got to hit close enough, uh, but not touch. Um, so uh, you've got to master yourself. You've got you've got, you have to have the strength, the precision, and the mastering on yourself. And that's what um, I like. And I do miss the competitions um, of it. And yeah, if if I could, I would just. Uh, yeah, start again and um, do it just uh, for fun. Uh, One wrong move and you lose four of your fingers. Yeah, I get why you wouldn't <laughs> want to do that now. <laughs> yeah. Even with gloves, you can easily, like, you know, fracture on your bones, especially like these, like, are made for piano. Like, like small. So, like, <laughs> like, see, this bone is so small. Like, there's three bones in this, like, for example, or this. Mm. And just one wrong move. And you can't use it yeah. for well, not just this, your whole hand. It's kind of weird. And, um, yeah, even for a while, my right hand got injured, and I had to use my left hand for a lot of writing and stuff, which was kind of awkward. Oh man! Yeah, you get yeah. to appreciate this That's stuff hard. when you That's don't. Hard. We're not able to use them. Yeah. And well, we've reached the final question and section of the podcast, which is called "Final Words." I should probably rename this because it sounds kind of corny and dramatic. But all right, let me actually explain what it means. Imagine in a limited amount of time, in a window of opportunity of time that you have right now, you have an opportunity to, as a human, say anything or leave a message, and it could be anything, a message or messages to another human being. And that another human being is anyone who's listening to this podcast and also listening to voice meows in the future, at any point in the near future. If that if that's the case, what do you have to say? Uh, first, to those who are listening, thank you <laughs> for staying here until the end. Um, and um, I think I'll just leave a, yeah, sorry to disappoint everyone, but a personal message to my parents because that's definitely thanks to <laughs> that's the cat. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Wait, wait, wait. Please come on. No, no. I don't mind it. <laughs> that's definitely thanks to to them that um that i am here and that i can do what i love to um to to earn my life so yeah and do you have um, anything not just a single thing to anyone who's listening for people who are listening Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if you're a creative, uh, there will always be people uh, who are going to try by ignorance to discourage you, to tell you that uh, maybe the job you want to do is not a real job or that it's tough, there is competition, you know, only a few gets it. Yeah, well, this few might be you. I mean, you, you're the only one aware of your skills and and capabilities so yeah just go for it don't don't stay too long listening to what other people have to say it's your life not not theirs all right awesome and well 
thank you so much for that answer and thank you so much for coming by for this episode where can people contact you if they had any questions uh, yeah, I, they can contact me I, through Twitter or through Twitter mostly because this is the platform I'm most active um, on or um, through email. Uh, my email is on my website and my website is um, www.emilyrina.net. Yeah, I put this already in the caption, the link to your website as well. There's an, uh, no need, uh, need to worry about that. And um, speaking of, like, you know, the thing you said for the audience, um, it's kind of interesting. I need to also mention that uh, that without sounding too corny and cliche, uh, I recently, as I mentioned in the middle of the podcast, that I've been having a lot of, like, you know, um, basically in you know, a philosophical issues like especially relating to existentialism and yeah i mean it's it's, it's a nice contrast don't worry <laughs> jesus uh, it's fine the cat wants to play she, he got the zoomies and um basically i started i discovered a lot of youtube videos of this recently passed not recently like eight years ago passed away pro wrestler called ultimate warrior which he surprisingly was a super knowledgeable and um articulate and philosophical guy and his videos was a real eye-opener for me like made me help with my perspective a bit and the fact that you said the, one of the things that he kept trying to like you know say was the fact that you know everyone's unique they have their own and it sounds of course corny like not it's not actually corny but because at this day and age there's this whole culture of like you know motivation and stuff like that so it makes it kind of weird to say this kind of obvious stuff like you're unique you you just have to believe in yourself you know we've heard this like a thousand times in different ways but honestly i mean that's the case because if you think about it like no one is the same unless you have an identical twin even if that's the case you're still not the same to to some extent uh just i think follow your heart and gut see where it leads you and if you if it leads you to a certain professional job or not just job craft in general like a field or skill try to improve and hone it drown yourself in it and the end result will be something unique because it has your imprint of soul and uniqueness to it and yeah just i think don't just block out the negative noise also i think block out the positive noise as well because positive noise is like sometimes toxic positivity which is also i think super annoying as well not just that because uh it could you know be a hindrance to your work in progress because when someone tells you you're perfect or not like it sounds kind of it doesn't sound real sometimes and you can feel it but when someone actually like isn't always nice to you and they're always critical but once you do something actually right and they tell you oh bravo you can actually see that you improve because when someone's always yeah great great i mean that that, there's something bad with it inherently practically but i'm talking about it if we're getting super technical about this stuff you know i i definitely agree with what you just said i mean there's nothing wrong about being positive but um you don't have to be lying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just try to, yeah, people have to surround themselves. Uh, at least I'm trying uh, to surround myself with people who are honest to me uh, when it's good and when it's bad. Uh, that's what's important to me. Uh, I, I know that as French people, I mean, <laughs> when I was uh, living in, uh, in, in England, um, people thought that um, I was way too direct 
they are putting that on my nationality. Um, but to me, it's not being direct, it's being honest because I want things to move uh, either for me or for the team, for the project. Uh, I think it's important. There's no point in saying that everything's good when it's not. I mean, not going anywhere from there. And most of us, uh, most of all, um, there's no need in pushing yourself if you know and think that everything's okay. And you, you don't want to stay the same your whole life at the same level. That's, well, that honestly sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I can I could totally understand what you're saying. And yeah, just be real. Just be offending. I mean, don't, don't worry about... I mean, of course, to some extent, sometimes you need to just put up a fake front. But in general, try to always be as authentic and as real as you can. And yeah, I mean, it's fine. Don't worry. I don't think most... <laughs> You literally did lifting them up like a sandwich. Like yeah. it was kind of interesting. I mean, it locked up my screen. Yeah, it's fine. It's a nice addition to the box. I don't mind, it, actually. And yeah, thank you to anyone who tuned in and watched this episode, whether on Spotify or CastBox or YouTube. Please leave a comment down below if there's any suggestions or critiques or just anything in general. I'll, I, I'll always read them all. And I hope you're enjoying this new format of the podcast, which is now I'm trying to work on the quality more, like rather than quantity uh, of the episodes. So I hope you're enjoying this. And I have to say that there might be a little bit of less, the frequency of the uploads will be much less than before because I'm working on other aspects of my life and now I'm much more busier. Uh, yeah, because of that. And that's it, everyone. Take care till next episode. Right now, it's 3rd, 13th of March, and this episode will be probably uploaded on Monday, 21st of March, I hope. And that's about it. Take care, everyone. Have a good day, and bye. Oh, bye. Just one last thing, not bye. I forgot. Tomorrow is the second anniversary of the podcast. I totally forgot that. Jesus. Yeah, it's the second birthday of the podcast tomorrow, so yeah, yay! I was, I, I just for fun and memes, I wanted to buy a little cake and just eat it. And, um, yeah, it's over. Yeah, so to anyone who's uh, sit through one around thirty three minutes of us talking, you're you're an OG. You're a re- you're the realist. You're awesome. Yep, that's about it. Thank you, everyone. Till next episode. Bye.